0: This is the anthem. Here's what you came for. This is the moment. Magic was made for Come on, come on. up the sky now. You
1: feel the magic happening right now. Hello there. Welcome back to Panthers House. And welcome back to FanFit's house, a member of the Real Fans Podcast Network. I'm Emma.
0: And I'm Gabby. And this week, we're going to be continuing our discussion of uh, the original tales versus uh, Disney movies. Um, So this week, we're going to be talking about Hunchback of Notre Dame, Lion King, Pinocchio, Hercules or Heracles, Mary Poppins, Peter Pan, Jungle Book, and Oliver and Company. Yes. And all listeners out there, Emma just made sure that she flashed her... uh, Peter Pan spirit jersey to everybody because it's super cute.
1: Yeah, it's the new one for the 70th or 75th anniversary for this year for Peter Pan. Because, I mean, as we all know, Peter Pan is Emma's favorite. And I'll be discussing Peter Pan later. All of the articles yeah. we use for research is on the website um, Screen Rant. And I just wanted to say before we get into this episode... Our YouTube is fully back cataloged. Every episode is now on the YouTube. That is true. It is fully updated now.
0: (sighs) Good job, Em. Thank you. You did it. Hey,
1: I did it during our summer break. This is true. And now it should all be But you did it. Yeah, I did it. Nonetheless, you did a great
0: job. It looks beautiful. Thank you.
1: And all of these articles had 10, but we just kind of chose, like, our top five or six favorites to talk about. Because a lot of them we noticed, like, related to each other.
0: Yeah. There were a lot that were, like, duplicates or, like, that were kind of similar. And so we were like,
1: why are we talking about
0: that twice? Yeah. That's just not.
1: Yeah. So do you want to get started with our first story?
0: Yeah, I'd love to. So first, we're going to start off with uh, The Jungle Book, which is, I think, one of the older ones on this list, at
1: least in terms of film-wise, maybe besides Peter Pan. I think so, because all the other ones... Well, and Pinocchio. Yeah. But, uh, so, there's there's
0: a bunch of differences, obviously, that's why we're talking about this one, um, but the biggest one we're just gonna jump right in is um that in the book there is no king louis yes. that you know we all agree i want to be like you as an iconic song however king louis does not exist in the book um so you know this isn't according to the author this isn't a surprise to me it was a surprise um <laughs> um as orangutans aren't even native to india this is why king louis was made into an extinct species of ape for the live action remake which again never would have known um and the character of king louis was an original creation by disney that was voiced by jazz musician louis prima um the monkeys are still antagonists in the book collectively called the banderlog who kidnapped mowgli for unspecified reasons not the red flower that king louis craves that we know is fire
1: yes. Also, I want to say, Jungle Book came out in 1967, Peter Pan came out in 1953, and Pinocchio came out in 1940. And uh, Mary Poppins came out around that time, 63, too. 63, so, I believe. Yeah. So, yeah. I thought it was five. 65. I don't know. It was an odd number. I don't know. So, anyway. 64. four. I was close. We were both close. I said 63, you said 65. That's true. right in the middle. We split it. <laughs> so,
0: in the book, there are actually more humans <clears throat> than the we see in the movie. So, in the movie, there's only two humans. Mowgli, mm-hmm. and then the girl at the end, who we know is named Shanti, because she's in the second straight DVD sequel. Um, but in the book, there's a lot more humans, and that... Um, when he actually gets to the man village, that there's a whole n- more story. You know, like, in the movie, he gets to the man village, da-da-da, movie's over. But um, in the book, that's, like, the midpoint. So he gets there, and he's adopted by um, Mezua, who believes that Mowgli is her long-lost son. And uh, other human characters from the book include Mezua's unnamed husband, and um, Buldeo, the chief hunter who wants to kill Shere Khan, for the value that his hide can bring. And although there's more humans in the direct video sequel, none of these characters appear there either. So that kind of sucks. Yeah. Um, so in the book, the wolves actually play a much bigger part Um, so the wolves that adopt Mowgli and raise him are like barely given any screen time, um, barely even given characterization in the movie. Um, but in the book, they play a significantly larger role, such as protecting Mowgli from Shere Khan very early on. And even the mother wolf has a bigger part. Whereas, you know, in the movie, she doesn't even talk, which is like, what the heck's that about? Um, but the most notable difference is in the character of Akila, who's the leader of the wolf pack. Um, he's one of the most forgettable characters in the movie perhaps even in the disney franchise according to the author i strongly disagree but okay
1: yeah i can't remember yes. who i tried to say the last time we had this conversation i me
0: neither that's how forgettable that person was
1: yeah Thoughts um, and jessam so, anyway
0: uh, i don't know I feel like there's a lot more forgettable characters in the Disney franchise. Like, I think, I'm pretty sure I said um, Skippy from Robin Hood. Yes, you did. Bowler hat guy. And then there's the turtle one. There's the turtle one. Yes. I can't remember his name.
1: Bowler hat guy. Bowler hat guy. But he's in the Mickey's Not So Scary Halloween Party Parade. Yeah, yeah. So
0: anyway. Anyway, I disagree, but okay. But in the book, Akela is more important figure for Mowgli, even sacrificing himself to save Mowgli out of love for him, and it is this action that makes Mowgli decide to stay in the man village, not again, the writer of this was so savage, not prepubescent hormones like in the movie. Yeah. This pre-savage. Um so In the movie, we know Ka. You know he is very reminiscent of uh, Sir Hiss. Sir They're the exact same. Yeah, I'm pretty sure they're played by the same actor. Even I could be wrong. Joe Coleman. I'm pretty sure because Robin Hood was
1: so um, like reusing a bunch of old animation that they just took Ka's animation and put Mm -hmm. it into um. Robin Hood. Sir, I'm sure. Yeah.
0: So... Like, the Snow White and Maid Marion. Yes. Yes. So he has his, like, little sinister and, like, creepy moments. And he has, like, a very... His song? Terrifying. Yeah. But, you know, in the movie, he's very accident-prone. He's very goofy. He, like, falls off the tree and coils himself up into the little ball. And, and then does you know, it. he's He's, like... Yeah. He's a comedic relief, really, yeah. of a villain. Um, but in the novel, he's actually a good guy. So, Cause called upon to rescue Mowgli from the monkeys, all of which he defeats single-handedly, who's a very far cry from the sniveling snake in the movie. Um, and the only really s- two similarities are that Cause, both Cause share immense length and size, and uh, both have hypnosis powers still. So, that's still cool. Yep. Um... Okay, the next one, uh, Shere Khan, in the book, it's not that scary. So, even though he doesn't appear on screen until much later, um, you know, the the fear that is incited by Shere Khan yeah. is formidable, but he, he's, he's, he's there, but he's very underappreciated, I say. Yes. Like, I mean, just his name. Everybody's like, oh, it's Shere Khan. <gasps> And it's like, ooh. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, everybody in the jungle fears him, except for Mowgli. And in the live-action remake, they made him ten times scarier. Mm-hmm. Not gonna lie. Saw that movie. Very scary. You also um, don't like the talking animals. I don't like the talking animals. It's weird. Yeah. But he's, like, extra creepy. He's just, like, is it's weird. It's just weird. I don't like it. <laughs> but in the book, Shere Khan is, like, much more arrogant and believes that he should rule the jungle. Um, but whereas, like, the, the wolf pack is too fearful to protect Mowgli in the movie, they're more than a match for Shere Khan. And they fend him off in, like, the first chapter. They're, like, back off, bucko. So he's more of, like, he's got these, like, lofty ideas Mm -hmm. of wanting to rule the jungle, but he can't really, you know? Yeah. Much more like um, Prince John, if you will.
1: (laughs) Us and our Robin Hood references. We should have added Robin Hood to this list. We should have. I watched that movie, like, last night. So. Well.
0: I love that movie. I've been watching it all the time. Yeah, but he really is. I mean, like he's like, I deserve to be a king, and everybody's like, okay. So anyway, um, making him a big, much more of a threat was like probably a smart move on Disney's part. Yeah. because um, like it would have been really boring if they were like, wah wah and he's dead in the first five seconds of the movie. Mm-hmm. Now what? And so then, okay. We added one extra one because I feel like this is a really big one. Like yeah. I feel like this one's really important. Um, so B- Baloo and Bagheera are. <laughs> did you hear that? I like. I like. Totally tripped over that. I was. I was like. Ooh. I was like. Oh no! I was gonna say Bagoo, but that was Bago- not right. <laughs> <laughs> Bagoo and Bolera. Yep that that's what it was gonna be. Um. <laughs> <laughs> Bagoo and Bolero. Um. <laughs> anyway. So, no. But Baloo and Bagheera are actually, like, flipped. Yes. Oh, man, I froze. They're flipped in the movie versus the book. Like, so, you know, bare necessities. Baloo's the one who, like, teaches Mowgli about the jungle and, like how to do things and he is just like this lazy little bear who wants to have fun with his new buddy mowgli very laid back and like big is like very strict but he's like it's okay like we you gotta learn but is very strict you know mm-hmm. and I, I i think both are, are very very good characters yeah um but like the two characters were actually like their personalities were actually flopped for the movie because in the original book it's bagheera who's like coddling mowgli and he develops like a super close relationship with him and Baloo's the one who's like super strict and has all these rules and he has to teach the wolf cubs um the law of the jungle and that's mowgli included um so yeah yeah could you imagine bare necessities if like baloo was like
1: Uh, uh, A stickler? Bear. Necessities.
0: It'd be like, it'd be like a, it it wouldn't be like a, look for the, like, so. No. Jaunty. I feel like it would be very intense.
1: Yeah. Like, make I'll make a man out of you. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Look for the, nope, doesn't work. (laughs) Yeah, it doesn't.
0: When you pick a
1: pawpaw. of a prickly pear. There it goes. Now it works. <laughs> yeah. Speaking of live-action animals, let's talk about Disney's The Lion King. Live-action animals
0: that I hate. This one's worse. I feel like The Lion King is worse than the Jungle Book one.
1: Anyway, I chose five like pretty major differences between Lion King and The Shakespearean Tale. The first one being... The Prince is Sane. William Shakespeare penned a five-act play demonstrating a young prince teetering on the edge of sanity. And Kenneth Branagh's 1996 film, which for those of you who know that name but don't know who it is, it be Goderoy Lockhart from Harry Potter and the Chamber of Secrets. Um, in his, um, the Hamlet film spans to a cool, Four hours. The Lion King, which I had to watch in school. It's a four-hour film. Four hours? It's the entire Shakespeare. They don't cut out any scene from the entire Shakespearean five-act play. That's ridiculous. Yeah, and Kenneth Branagh plays Ham, Um, Hamlet. How old was he at that point in know. time? Let me, let
0: me look. I feel like, Ken- wait, when was this produced? In the 60s?
1: Ninety-six. Oh. Yeah, how old was he? He was born in 61. So he was, like, in his thirties. I feel like that's too old to play Hamlet. I oh, don't know. He looked fairly young. Okay. Trying to see who else was in My the humble game.
0: opinion, my personal opinion, I think Hamlet should be, like, younger than
1: 25. Kate Winslet was Ophelia. Oh, that's great. Yeah. I don't remember this character at all. Oh, wait. Timothy Spall was um, Rosencrantz. I'm sorry. Billy Crystal was the first Grave Digger. What is this cast and why don't I remember any of it? Because also Robin Williams was in the film. What? Anyway. The Kenneth Branagh 1996 film is a true Shakespearean adaptation. They don't cut out any scenes, and it is the original text. The Lion King was obviously not as ambitious as it came to about an hour and a half, rather than four hours.
0: Hold on, you're telling me The Lion King is not a direct adaptation of Hamlet? Word for word, 100%?
1: Exactly, screen Rant writer. The prince's portrayal was toned down for the children's film and did not explore Simba's mental status. Because to be or not to be is his mental downfall. That whole monologue. Um, in one of the most famous scenes of the bard's play, Hamlet goes to a graveyard and speaks to Yorick, a skull. And it is debatable whether Hamlet was truly going mad or not and spends a good t- amount of time debating the topic. Again, to be or not to be, that is the que- question, says nowhere in the mind, to be self. I'm not going to go. To suffer the
0: slings and errors of human something. Yeah. That's yeah. All I remember.
1: Um, Simba may have gone to an elephant graveyard, but he did not spend his time speaking to bones. I mean, he could have. He could have. But we didn't see it.
0: No, I don't think they would have answered anyway. No. Plus, I mean, at that point in Hamlet, he's like... Do I kill myself? Do I not kill myself? And then Ophelia comes
1: in and is like, Hamlet, don't kill yourself.
0: She's like, why would you do that? And And speaking of Ophelia,
1: Nala is stronger than Ophelia. Thank God. Yeah. Though Ophelia is my Shakespearean dream role. Um, anyway... There is not a clear translation for Ophelia in The Lion King, but Nala comes the closest. She was the princess intended, but that is kind of where the resemblance stops. Ophelia was crushed by the weight of her experiences. She endured Hamlet's mood swings and had to choose between her love and her family. And she, like, went insane, dissed people with flowers, and then drowned And that was Ophelia's ending. Anyway, Nala was strengthened by her difficulties. She persevered and pushed Simba into returning to the kingdom to take his rightful place as heir. In Hamlet, the kingdom collapsed under its own tragedy. And most importantly, Nala is not a tragic figure. She overcame her circumstance while Ophelia was destroyed and drowned because of them. I feel like it'd be
0: kind of a morbid children's movie if it ended with everybody dying.
1: Yeah. So. Anyway. I love how most of these are about the women. Because, I'm gonna combine three and four because they're kind of related. Which is, the queen is a good mother slash female agency. Um... Queen Gertrude, many interpretations suggest that she never knew that Claudius had killed her first husband. However, she's not blameless in the treatment of her own son. Hamlet was exiled, and Gertrude sided with her new husband, Claudius, whether she was aware he was the murderer or not. Whereas Simba's mother, Sarabi, was free from all this. She never sided with Scar, she never married him, and she supported her son's claim to the throne. And also, Hamlet was full of some of the most notable female archetypes known to drama. Queen Gertrude was the precursor to characters like Cersei um, Lannister, and Gemma Teller. Ophelia was one of the most tragic love interests known in literature, but these women are archetypes for a reason. Nala and Sarabi both loved their king, but were not swayed in one direction or another. They were steadfast. And the Lion King also had another steadfast female character. Shenzi was the leader of the hyena faction that followed Scar. She was the other side of the coin. Shenzi supported Scar, not for any obligation of love or love, but because it was what she believed. Which like
0: yeah, she's still a villain, but like at the end of the day, like that's still pretty cool. She was doing it because it's what she
1: wanted. Yeah. To, and because it, she she wasn't that was right. forced into it. Yeah. Which is why I felt like I had to include that because of course I think Hamlet only had the really those two characters of Queen Gertrude and Ophelia. Unlike yeah. this. Yeah. Which, kind of to go off on a tangent a little bit, but I saw Hamlet at the Orlando Shakespeare Theater my senior year of high school, and their costume they put Queen Gertrude in looked like human Fiona. She was in, like, a green Renaissance dress and had a red wig that was in a singular braid. And every time she was on stage, I was like, look, it's Queen Fiona. That had to be on purpose. Thank you. Thank you anyway, as we've kind of alluded to, Lion King is not a tragedy. Throughout Simba watching his father's death, being ousted by his uncle, and losing his entire childhood, the Lion King had the makings of a great story. It created its own classic after drawing inspirations by one of the most famous tragedies ever penned. One of the most important of its messages is that all is not lost. Simba seemingly lost his entire life at a young age, but he came out of it. He took his home back and was, unlike Hamlet of all, lost no additional life in the process. Besides his father. Yes, that's true.
0: I just figured it out. Okay. Okay. Um, Yorick, the skull, that's Rafiki. <laughs> okay. I was like, who's Rafiki in this?
1: He's a skull. Yeah, probably. Because Timon and Pumbaa are definitely Rosencrantz and Gil- um, Ro, Yeah, no, Rosencrantz and Guildenstern. Guildenstern, yeah.
0: Yeah, 100%. Which makes
1: Rafiki, Yorick, that, or a mixture of him and Polonius. Because
0: Polonius can like being the skull better.
1: Well, hit the skull and Polonius, because Polonius has that whole "to be or not, or not to be, or not to be, to that own self be true, tis nowhere in the mind to be, all that." Yeah,
0: yeah. I guess you're right. So, like... I just think it's
1: funnier if he's the Skull. Well, I think he's both. Because the similarities between Polonius and Rafiki die at... They both give good advice because he's the person Hamlet kills and then is exiled because he killed. (laughs) So we kind of can't have Polonius. Polonius is like, graffiti. Polonius is like, "Here, let me give you some good advice." And Hamlet's like, "Thanks." Stab. Well, he's giving advice to his son in the show too. So it's not even to him. It's just Hamlet thinks that it's the uncle that he's killing. Cuz it's like through the sheet.
0: I haven't seen Hamlet. I haven't read it in a million years. So I really don't remember much. I'll be I'll be honest. Okay. Most of what I know is from the Lion King show.
1: Oh, let's go back to what? What did I say? When did I say this film came out? The third dirty. Nineteen forty. No. Forty. Let's go back to nineteen forty. For three major differences.
0: Gabby's favorite time period, at least in terms of fashion. Yeah. And history. Yeah. I don't know why. I feel so sorry. It is a terrible time period to have a fascination with, but I just love it. <laughs> World War II was a major tragedy, and yet I am engulfed. Kara, <laughs> cut that out. That sounded really bad. <laughs> I don't know. I feel like I'm like, okay, hold on. Wait, let me try this. I feel like I'm, like, a dad who just, like, loves World War II spy novels. Like, I feel that's me. I am the dad. Okay. Or, like, or like, you know, that's why I like Captain America so much. True. I love Captain America. And... Anyway, I'm going to quit while I'm sort of ahead. Um, Pinocchio. We're going to talk about Pinocchio if you couldn't get it. Um, so... First major difference. Jiminy Cricket, who's Pinocchio's conscience throughout, like, the whole movie. He's, like, just kind of chilling on Pinocchio's shoulder, being like, Pinocchio, you shouldn't do that. Um, He dies, like, at the very beginning of the book. Yeah. Um, Like, you know, he gives him lectures about proper behavior. Um, can, Pinocchio got annoyed and threw a hammer at him, which squished him. Yeah. And then he spends the rest of the book as a ghost. Yeah. So he's still there. he's a ghost
1: um let's see here and then the other two are related to donkeys yeah remain
0: remind me who lampwick is
1: he's the guy who's the other kid that pinocchio is hanging around with that gets when they go to um when they go to pleasure island yes and in the movie that like he's playing um pool with Pinocchio yeah. and okay. he becomes the donkey in front of Pinocchio and Pinocchio I think he's drunk. That's what I thought. Okay, that's what that's that's what I thought.
0: So, um here's the next one. Um so Pinocchio finds Lampwick again, but in the form of a donkey, he's been sold to a farmer and he dies of exhaustion,
1: which is pretty sad. Yeah, poor Lampwick.
0: Yeah. Um and then Um, On Pleasure Island, Pinocchio does get turned fully into a donkey and he gets sold into a circus. Um, And that's where he sprains his leg and the ringmaster sells him to a man who intends to kill him to use his skin for a drum? Jesus Christ, that's morbid. Um, However, when Pinocchio is thrown into the sea to drown, the fish eats his skin and he returns to puppet form. That is so weird! Yeah. Okay, major takeaway... The book is freaking weird. Yeah. The movie is weird. Yeah. D- Pinocchio is just weird. Mm-hmm. That's what I've decided.
1: Period. Now, time for Oliver and Company slash Oliver Twist. I love Oliver and Company. Like, wholeheartedly. Oliver and Oliver so Oliver much. Twist. As many of you guys who have listened to at least one episode where I mentioned Oliver Twist has so much meaning to me because it was my senior year of high school show and all that stuff. So I wanted to talk about it. Um, obviously, the first big difference is the location because Charles Dickens wrote it about the circumstances of 1800s England and the laws that hindered growth. But, however, in the book, he talks about how these problems could exist anywhere. And it just so happens that right now they're existing in England. So Disney is like, okay, let's just move it to Manhattan in the 1980s. Because Charles Dickens was like, it's happening right here in England, but it could happen anywhere. Who
0: knows? And then we get the beauty of a song, which is Once Upon a Time in New York City.
1: Yeah. Another big thing, especially in the book and musical, is the big question of who is Oliver's mother? It's a plot point that is threaded throughout it, and in the movie, it is completely cut out. And spoiler alert for the book and musical, although Oliver was born in a poor workhouse, his mother was a middle-class citizen, and Oliver was actually entitled to some of the inheritance. His mom, like, hmm. had him out of wedlock, so she, like, ran away and had the baby in the workhouse where she died after giving Interesting. birth to him. Speaking of her fam- um, his family, Oliver, Mr. Brownlow, and Jen- um, Jenny. So Mr. Brownlow is a man who Oliver gets taken out and is, like, trying to steal and pickpocket and he gets arrested for wrongly being accused of stealing. He goes yes. to jail, but the guy he quote-unquote robs from has a change of heart and wishes to be let go, and that is Mr. Brownlow. Um, Oliver gro- goes home with Mr. Brownlow, um, where he has lived happily ever after, if it was not for Fagan coming and taking all of her back to him. Um and yeah. So he keeps him, but in the book you later find out that Mr. Brown Lou, like has this picture of his daughter up in the house and he's like this kid I just adopted in kind of looks like that picture of my daughter. Wow, Quinky Dink, is it not? My daughter, who disappeared about 11 years ago, and this kid is 11 years old. Wow. So, yeah, Mr. Brownlow is Oliver's grandfather. Confirmed. Confirmed. But anyway, like, so all these people that were nice to Oliver and took him in ended up being turned into one person in the Disney film, being Jenny. Because, you know, she adopts him and takes him in. Yeah. Very easy story. Now, Noah Claypole. he has a very loose interpretation in the um, Disney film, being Georgette, which is Jenny's dog, who has a very high opinion of herself. She also does not like sharing. She's bitterly jealous that Jenny now has a new favorite. And it's really the only antagonist that Kitty Oliver faces in his new life. Yeah. However, Noah Claypole. oh my God, whoever wrote this at screen read, I will not be saying all this. But Noah is this person who is apprenticing for the same grave digger and like funeral home person that Oliver was bought by near the beginning yeah. of the film and he's jealous that oliver is getting more attention and praise than he did so noah like starts a fight that prompts oliver to run away to london where he gets wrangled in with fagin's crew just like Georgette helps dodger and company break oliver out that's returning him to fagin because both of them are like vessels that deliver oliver to fagin And the last little bit that we have is, where's Nancy? As I've talked about many a time. So Nancy was a little bit turned into the character of Rita. Nancy is a part of Fagin's crew and is intensely loyal, but also kind to Oliver. Rita is asked by um, Sykes' bodyguard dogs why she stays with the gang, just like Nancy is begged by Dickens Oliver's middle-class friends to leave and start over somewhere else. But she's like, no, this is my life, like, all this stuff. Rita is also kind to Oliver when he arrives and is the only one to express doubts over taking um, taking Oliver from Jenny's house when she sees him all content and sleeping. Similarly, but much darker, Nancy hopes Oliver died the night he got shot so he would be free from having to come back to Fagan's crew. And she later dies bringing him back to his middle class friends in the book. That's really sad. Yeah. So a little bit, but not too much.
0: I see the comparison, but like, she's not really the same. Yeah, she's not
1: really the same, but yeah. Mary Poppins.
0: Yes, that's my turn. Yay. So, sorry guys, I'm also simultaneously working on the new logo for FanFutels, so Ooh. I seem a little distracted just because I'm trying to make things look pretty. Mm-hmm. Um. Okay. So we got another five differences for Fairy Myth Mary Poppins. Um. So. In the book, the Banks family is actually a bit larger than they are in the movie. They have a few more members. Um they don't specify how many more and who they are, but there's there's just more members in the Banks family than just Jane, Michael, um and their parents. Yeah. Um So the second one is that uh, the book originally had a chapter entitled Bad Tuesday, in which Mary and the children visited places all around the world using a compass, and as the culture changed, some of the original storyline contained offensive stereotypes and was rewritten in 1967 to remove some of those stereotypes, but as society changed, it was deemed too offensive, so in 1981, people were replaced with animals, which I think is kind of cute. Yeah. And we kind of get that in, like, Jolly Holiday. We get the little butlers, the... But then but not really. Like, they don't really... They don't, like, go to the zoo or anything. No. So, yeah. Um, and number three, there are stories within the first book that don't appear in the movie, such as visiting the zoo at night. Um, they also bought gingerbread stars and the twins if were talking to birds. So, in uh, the books... Jane and Michael are twins.
1: Yeah. Oh, so Whereas I also found... Whereas in the movies are not. Where does it say that? No, so there are five children, five Banks children. Ah. Jane is the eldest, then Michael, then there's fraternal twins, John and Barbara, and then oh, Annabelle. Okay, so twins John and Barbara. Yes. John and Barbara are toddlers. Aww. In the first book, cute.
0: So uh, next we have that Bert is a matchman and a chalk artist in the book. However, in the movie, Bert's a chimney sweep and a chalk artist. Um, and there is an assumption that Mary and Bert have like a little history, little flirty, flirty, little little bad mm-hmm. of the eye, you know. Yeah. Um, and their relationship is less apparent in the books. Um, and so the last one I have for Mary Poppins is that Bert does not attend the tea party with Mary and the children. Um, and um, oh, what's his name? The uncle who right on the roof. Yes, when they're upside down, I don't remember. Floating.
1: You see, see he's another
0: forgettable. forgettable Disney character. More forgettable than who was
1: it we were talking about? The wolf pack leader.
0: Yeah, uh, Aquila. Aquila see um but anyway so anyway in the book the children don't actually meet bert mary has the adventure with book bert in the chalk drawing on her day off um but in the movie you know the kids go with her and they have jolly holiday which is yeah. like the best part of the whole thing
1: yeah speaking of british stories let's talk about peter pan yeah So, we have about five differences here. Um, Number one was Peter Pan was originally a villain. Um, Peter Pan is a mischievous prankster in Disney's Peter Pan who delights in being a rambunctious and plucky young teen. Captain Hook represents everything wrong with becoming an adult. Greed, antagonism, and against everything fun. Um, In one of J.M. Barry's first drafts of his stage play, Peter Pan was a villain who kidnapped children from their beds while they slept. The character of Captain Hook was only added later when Barry needed a theatrical character to distract audiences while scenery was being changed.
0: And in that original play, wasn't it also where it was established that Captain Hook was also played by whoever played uh, the father?
1: Yeah. Yeah. I love that little thing. Speaking of Hook, we have a bunch of them that have to do with Hook for this, because his character was the most changed. Okay. Um, for example, he doesn't try to t- trick Tinkerbell in the novel slash play. Okay. Um, Towards the end of the film, Captain Hook is desperate to find Peter Pan in the Lost Boys' secret hideout, so he kidnaps Tinkerbell and places her in a lantern, promising to release her only when she tells him what he wants to hear, whereas in the novel, he discovers their location by accident. He sits down on a giant mushroom and is surprised to discover it covers the chimney of the hideout.
0: I kind of like that better cuz then yeah. It's not excuse me, then it's not uh Tinkerbell like betraying them.
1: Yeah. Another hook one. This is our last hook one though. I will say. Um he doesn't send Peter Pan a bomb, which I'm guessing most of you guys kind of know where we're going with this one, especially if you saw that one Wizards of Waverly Place episode where Alex plays Tinkerbell in her school play. Do you remember that episode? Yes. Yes. I'm glad you remember that episode. <laughs> vaguely. One of the more devious aspects of the Disney film involved Captain Hook sending Peter Pan a bomb. Tink is able to get the bomb, disguised as a gift from Wendy, out of his hands before it explodes explodes, and she's wounded wounded by its blast. In the novel, Captain Hook tried to poison Peter and Tink risked her life to save him by drinking it instead. Peter has to call on every child who is dreaming of Neverland to clap their hands to show that they believe in fairies. Their outpouring of support revives her and saves her life.
0: Yes, I remember this now.
1: Yeah. So let's go back to London with the darlings. The yes, Darlings are distraught let's. by their children's disappearance. The Darlings come, hmm. ac- are like out on a n- night on the town, so they're gone for the amount of time that it takes their children's adventures to happen, with Peter in Neverland in the Disney film. However, in Barry's story, the children are in Neverland much longer than their parents are out for the evening, resulting in the Darlings to come home to find their children missing. Wendy and her brothers return to find their parents beside themselves with grief over their whereabouts.
0: If I may, leaving your children in in, charge, like, (laughs) with your dog? Come on, like,
1: that's just asking for it. And our last little bit is all the women of Wendy's line fly with Peter to Neverland at one point in their life okay at the conclusion of most peter pan films peter flies off to return to neverland and it isn't known if he'll ever visit wendy again only hook hinted at the closing pages of barry's story in which peter returns to visit wendy's daughter and same with return to neverland however it's her daughter
0: right Yeah, yeah it's her
1: daughter jane in the novel Peter promises to return once a year to take Wendy to Neverland. He keeps his word for the first few years, but then stops coming. When he finally does return, he finds Wendy all grown up with a daughter named Jane. Peter takes Jane to Neverland instead until she becomes too old. In the final paragraph, it's revealed that her daughter Margaret flies to Neverland with Peter, just like her future daughter Will, and so on. That's cute. Mm Mhm. Oh look, it's your favorite. I know.
0: Well, not my favorite, but like one of them. See, because the original version of this is really sad.
1: And if we're gonna talk about that hero's journey episode we made a couple weeks ago,
0: yeah, you used. I mean, seriously. So if you know what we're talking about. We're talking about the hunchback of Notre Dame. Sing the bells, 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 my fave. Okay, so starting, jumping right in. In the novel, Frollo, he's the archdeacon of Notre Dame. He's not a judge. That's why Mm -hmm. Frollo, or that's why Quasimodo's allowed to stay there um, because he's the archdeacon. Uh, Mm -hmm. And Quasimodo also cares for um, Frollo's younger brother, Jehan,
1: I don't think that's how that's pronounced. That's how it's pronounced in the musical. Is it okay? I think. I don't know. I'm trying to picture Patrick Page. I know. Which, I'm speaking like, speaking of, of does him, he did you it? see him? At even the... of Wasada's last performance, it was so sweet. Yeah, I didn't realize she and the... Reeve were dating. I don't know how they are. Yeah
0: i did not know that though the caption was so cute though he was like you are beautiful even though this is not the most beautiful photo of you i was like that's a mood um so anyway his uh, his interest in alchemy has alienated him from c- the citizens of paris and though he tries to be a good person his leaf tree towards esmeralda turns him into the novel's antagonist um this is we're talking about frollo again now mm-hmm. um so in the film right from the get-go he's established as a bad guy and he's a judge Mm -hmm. so um but yeah in the film he's like you here smuggling stolen goods no doubt and she has the baby and then he like scares the lady on the stairs and then she falls and she dies and he tries to throw quasimodo into the well yeah and that's just in the first like 10 minutes Mm -hmm. so um in the film we have quasimodo as the protagonist and in most adaptations quasimodo prot- yeah. is the protagonist um, but actually in the novel pierre Gringor is the protagonist he's an author stand-in for hugo and he's a struggling poet and playwright Gringore ends up getting excuse me ends up getting caught in the middle of things when he finds the court of miracles and has to marry esmeralda to avoid his own death versus in the film um, quasimodo is the main character Gringore doesn't even exist And um, Quasimodo's desire is to go out into the world and to be accepted and to enjoy life and instead of being locked up in his tower talking to his gargoyles. Speaking of the gargoyles. Which, speaking of the gargoyles, I'm so sad because I love the gargoyles. They have one of the most underrated bangers in all of the Disney catalog. A Guy Like You is one of my favorite songs, Period. And I know the guys have talked about it in the real fans, or excuse me, not in real fans, in the Disorder episode when they talked about this movie, how they rhymed Adonis with croissant is, and it just, like, brings me so much joy. That's, like, my favorite phrase ever. Mm-hmm. It's, it's literally my favorite thing ever. They, call, they say, so you're shaped like a croissant is, and it, like, brings me joy literally every single time. So, anyway, that's my mini rant about the gargoyles. Um... But in the novel, they don't come to life. Quasimodo's half deaf and half blind from the bells. And uh, he has nobody to talk to. And so he's intensely loyal to Frodo- Frollo for taking him in as a child. And in the film, as we've talked about, he is just physically deformed. And he confides in the gargoyles, who also live in the bell tower. Which, truth be told, in the film, I don't think they make it very clear if the gargoyles are just, like, his imagination or... Or if they're actually alive. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Because it could be both. Because, you know, Disney magic. Yeah. In my head, it's always been like he's imagining them being alive. Because as soon as another person walks into the room, they freeze. Yeah. So, that's my take on it. So, here's the part that I was talking about. The book is really freaking sad. Um in the movie almost everybody lives (laughs) everybody lives actually except for frollo right no frollo right frollo dies yeah just just frollo he's the only one anyway so hugo's tale victor hugo is is a very dark book where most characters die esmeralda quasimodo frollo so the three of them Phoebus and Gringor both survive, but don't have particularly happy endings. Um, Phoebus unhappily marries his betrothed, Flirtily, while um, Gringor runs off with the goat, Jolly, who um, Disney didn't even create. That was all Victor Hugo, believe it or not. Um, so, woohoo! One one for Victor Hugo. We freaking love Jolly. She's, yeah. she's amazing. Um, but in the film, the only one who dies is Frollo. Nobody else. Um, And Esmeralda, Esmeralda and Phoebus end up together, and Quasimodo is accepted by the people in the city, and they're like, oh my god, our hero! Quasimodo, yay! And then
1: he gets a love interest in the sequel. In the direct-to-DVD sequel. do feel about this.
0: What? Okay, okay, I don't know how I feel about that. Is it, like, Anastasia and the Baker level cute, or is it, like, weird? I don't even know. I've seen it once that's fair i love i love the memes of the directed video sequel because it's so badly done especially that one because the the memes are like so good it's like esmeralda and Corpit from aladdin because they're not like quite right have you seen it the memes they're so good i'll post some memes (laughs) Kara, remind me to post the memes um so, yeah, um, the last one here is that a lot of major and minor characters are condensed, um, both in the film and the book. Klopan uh, is the leader of the Gypsies and plays a small role in the novel um, er, and plays a small role. But in the novel, Frollo also has the younger brother, Jehan, who is a university student who'd prefer to spend his money on other things. Along with Jehan, the novel has plenty of other small characters who play roles in subplots or small sections of the main plot, and the film condenses its characters, giving multiple roles to one character in the process. Mainly
1: Klopan. He's like the narrator. He is yeah.
0: like... Klopan's got a lot going on.
1: Quasimodo's father in the book. Huh? Right? Jehan? No? No, he is in the musical, so I thought he was in the book, too. Now I gonna look this up because it's jehan and like a random gypsy girl which is why he gets like thrown out of notre dame and then he comes back and it's like care for my baby i'm dying oh my god he he is yeah so frollo is oh no, that's a theater
0: company hold on hold on hold on hold on hold on hold on
1: in the musical frollo is quasimodo's uncle I don't know about the book, but I do in the musical.
0: Their parents died of the plague.
1: I don't care about that. I want to know about Quasimodo's father in the book.
0: Here we go. Here we go. Here we go. Is adopted by Frollo. At a young age parent died from the plague. Although Frollo provides best possible education, jazz quality services, spending money drinking, visiting prostitutes. Oh, my. is notorious for his involvement in many brawls on campus does not respect Frollo. By the sacrifice is. It doesn't say anywhere here that he's his father. Okay. He's killed by Quasimodo. During the riots at the cathedral. Hmm. Which, good for him. Yeah. That's my boy. Shaped like a croissant. Anyway, that's that's Hunchback for you. Like I said, it's pretty morbid. In the original, I think there's like a... There's like a... Afterwards where it's like... And they found their skeletons. as Esmeralda's and Quasimodo's like... Yes. Intertwined in an embrace. And it's like, oh my... Because they are based on, like, uh, skeletons that were found a long time ago. Like, real skeletons. Yeah. But nobody knows the story of these real skeletons, obviously, because they were from, like, a long time ago. Victor Hugo was like, mm, those dead people? I'm gonna write their story right now. <laughs> and that guy? I'm gonna make him deformed.
1: Oh, only in the stage musical is it Jehan? There you go. Is his father. Yeah. Anyway, our last film. I know. And I get to try to pronounce all these Greek things.
0: I will try and help my best.
1: I mean, I know most of them because the Percy Jackson Let's Read audio stuff. Yeah. And me making translation guides and all that. But, yeah. There you go. Of course, with Greek mythology, there's always so many more differences than... The big ones that we're gonna name here for example well one hercules and heracles hercules was the roman name heracles was the greek name Or, yeah heracles was the greek name and it was like in honor of hera because that's who he like was in honoring of for his 12 labors
0: yes yeah. which i don't like hercules is much better
1: yeah i i agree in the Disney movie, Hercules' biological parents are Zeus and Hera, and his adopted parents are Amphitron and Alchemene. This is half true in the actual mythology, where Zeus was Heracles' dad and Amphitron was his adopted father, but Hera was not Heracles' biological mother. Alchemy- mean it was. Huh. So, like... The woman that adopts him in the movie. Yeah. In the actual Greek mythology, Zeus and her had Hercules.
0: Interesting.
1: Yeah. I mean, Zeus got around. We, we, this is true. Mm -hmm. Um, number two, (laughs) a not-so-happily-ever-after for Hercules and Meg. To start... Megara was a princess, and she did not work for Hades, the Lord of the Underworld. Secondly, they did not have a happily ever after, whereas the movie they do, with Hercules giving up immortality to stay with Meg on Earth. In The Mist, Heracles is driven insane by Hera and kills Megara and their children. Situations like this probably don't qualify for happily ever afters for Disney.
0: No, I don't imagine so.
1: Number four, Heracles' 12 waivers. Now, we do see a few of them in the movie, in the, like, montage. Yes. But, after Heracles killed his family, he went to the Oracle of Delphi for advice, and the Oracle was like, go to your cousin Eurystheus. Pardon? E-U-R-Y-S-T-H-E-U-S. Eurystheus, Eurystheus. Hold on,
0: I remember this guy from...
1: Hold on, it's
0: uh, Eury- Eurysthetis or something like that. Yeah,
1: anyway. Who would give him ten difficult labors to make up for killing his family. He completed many tasks, but was later assigned two more labors because two of them, quote-unquote, did not count. What the hell? Which I think I That's remember one of the two... No, I remember both of them looking at this list. Number, um, his 12 labors were to kill the Nemean lion. Number two was to kill the L- Hydra. I'm not going to try to pronounce where the Hydra was from. <laughs> the Lernian? Lernian. That's my guess. Er. Number three, to capture the Cernian hind. Number four, to capture That's the... That's Crianian. Crine- Crinian hind. Four to capture the Euromanthian boar. Number five, which was the first one that he had to redo, was to clean the stables of Agius in a day, and he like got help from a nymph who like brought water over to help him clean it all out in a day because it was impossible. I feel like that's cheating. That's what the cousin said, which is why one of them didn't count. This is the first ah. one that didn't count.
0: That makes sense.
1: Number six was to kill the Stymphalian birds. Number seven was to capture the Cretan bull. Number eight was to steal the mares of Diomedes. Number nine was to steal the girdle of the queen of the Amazons, Hippolyta, which was the other one because she gifted it to him. He didn't steal it from her. So that was the other one that was like, you didn't complete this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, uh, number ten was to steal the cattle of the monster Geryon. Number eleven was to steal the Herspedian apples, which was the golden apple from the like Hera, Aphrodite, and Athena tale. Yes. And number twelve was to capture Cerberus, which is Hades' dog. Yes. Which we we see him with the boar. We see him with the boar, we see him with the hydra.
0: Yes. I
1: feel like those are the only two. No, we see him with the lion, the Nemean lion cuz he has yes. the fur. That might that's be when it, he's though. getting his
0: like portrait taken.
1: Yeah, and it looks like Scar.
0: Yeah, when he takes it off and everybody's like
1: <gasps> I think that's it. I think you're right. Anyway, kind of like we alluded to earlier, number four, Heracles was born a demigod. Since Achaemen was his mom and Zeus was his dad, Heracles was born a demigod. When he was dying from poisoning, Zeus took pity on him and turned him into a god, and once he was a god, he became the gatekeeper of Olympus. However, in the movie, Heracles is born a god, then turned into a demigod, then turned back into a god, then turned into a mortal.
0: You lost me. Hold on.
1: Because <laughs> he started off god, and then they give him the, like, mortal juice to kill him. Pain and Panic yes. do. And then he's turned into a god, like, after defeating the Titans. Yeah. And then he's, like, turned me into a mortal so I can marry Meg.
0: Oh, yeah. I guess you're right.
1: a so god to demigod to god to mortal. Yeah, that's confusing. Yeah. And number five, there was no Phil in Greek mythology. Big in... sad.
0: That's the biggest, saddest yeah. part of the whole thing.
1: In the Greek myth of Heracles, there was no Phil. Heracles was actually never trained by anyone, unlike most Greek mythology, like heroes who were trained by Chiron. And as a son of Zeus, he was a born fighter. He was born brave, reckless, and strong.
0: Yeah. I'm still sad that <sighs> should have been Phil.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, do we want Although... to get into
0: this Phantom news? Yeah, so that's it's... that's all we got, folks. Like that's that that's the end. Of it's midnight,
1: the... and I work at eight thirty.
0: Whole thing, Emma's like, "You guys, please, can we finish this? I want to go to bed." So let's get her done.
1: The Notebook musical will arrive on Broadway early next year, just in time for Valentine's Day.
0: Lin-Manuel Miranda is writing an, a musical adaptation of Soul Uric's 1965 musical, The Warriors.
1: Disney's The Little Mermaid 2023 is making a splash at home as streaming begins on September 6th on Disney+. Plus.
0: Jay Harrison Gee, Stephen Pasquale, Amber Gray, and more have been announced for the industry reading of brand new Jason Robert Brown and Taylor May m- Mac musical, Midnight of the Garden of Good and Evil.
1: The book tour of Rick Riordan's new story featuring Percy Jackson, Annabeth Chase, and Grover Underwood in a brand new adventure called The Chalice of the Gods, which by the way, he wrote the like credit or like the like. What do you call it? The acknowledgement at the beginning of the book? Yeah. To Walker, Leah, and Araji, which are the new Percy, Annabeth, and Grover. And it made me, it makes me cry thinking about it because I'm like, and because it said that and it said two new beginnings. Aww. And it's adorable. But anyway, he's announced dates and locations for his book tour. Rick Riordan will be in Seattle, Washington on September 26th. Los Angeles, California on September 27th, Houston, Texas on September 28th, Austin, Texas on September 29th, Chicago, Illinois on September 30th, and Portland, Maine on October 1st.
0: In a recent press release from the Walt Disney Company, Penn Entertainment's existing sports book will be rebranded as ESPN Bet in a new partnership between the two entities.
1: A brand new style for both shopping bags has debuted at the Walt Disney World Resort and is expected to arrive at the Disneyland Resort in California.
0: Oscar winner Angelina Jolie is joining the theater business as lead producer of Broadway-aimed musical The Outsiders. Yes! Whoa! Sorry, that was a really extreme reaction. That's such a good move! Yeah. I'm so excited for it. Yes! It has to go to Broadway.
1: It is so good. Speaking of the things I'm excited for, but I can't scream about because everyone is asleep at my house. Sorry, I might,
0: I'm getting getting there.
1: Taylor Swift has announced her next re-recorded album, which will be 1989 Taylor's version, which will be dropped on October 27th of this year, which, guys, October, 30th, or October 29th is when Gabby and I see each other for the first time in a while. This year, and this album is like her friendship album.
0: So y'all know it's already going to be the soundtrack of our trip. Yes, like, we're going to Disney every single day that we're together. So like, pretty you know much, it's going to be the soundtrack.
1: Yeah. Speaking of Disney, so,
0: yeah. Speaking of Disney, um, Space Mountain at Disneyland Park is going to be closed for refurbishment beginning September 18th, and currently has no reopening date lined up. Of course, because they hate us.
1: And last but certainly not least, the casting has anou- been announced for the Broadway revival of Monty Python's Spamalot, which includes Ooh. Ariana Grande's new boyfriend, question mark, Ethan Slater, as the historian.
0: I don't know how I feel about this. Same. Anyway. Shall we get into this outro? I think we covered the news pretty well.
1: Yeah. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of Fan FanFitTast. We are a proud part of the Real Fans Podcast Network.
0: That's right. And if you want to check out more shows on the network, you can find them at rf4rm.com.
1: Next week, we will be having a celebration of our 100th episode. And there's going to be lots of new stuff. So mm. be on the lookout for that.
0: Remember to subscribe to us wherever you get your podcasts.
1: And subscribe to us on YouTube.
0: Please leave us a review and comment down below to tell us what you thought of the show. And remember to follow us on Instagram and X, don't know how I feel about that, at Beyond the Towels Pod for the latest updates. Now, Emma, where can the people find you on social media?
1: My Instagram, TikTok, and X are all at Emma, which is S-N-I-P-P-Y-E-M-M-A. What about you, Gabs? I'm at Gabby
0: Jen, pretty much much everywhere. That's G-A-B-Y-J-E-N-T. Our editing is by the wonderful Carolyn Smyer, and as always, thanks for tuning in. Bye. Visit us in this episode